Hello, thank you again for joining us. It is Neighbors in Need. I'm Sandy Waters and good friend of ours, Jennifer Ferringer. So good of a friend that I can't even say your name. Jennifer Ferringer is in from NCADD. Thank you so much for being back. It's a pleasure as always to be here. This is something that I don't think we can talk enough about. No. Um, And there's still so much stigma around it and so many unanswered questions. So we're going to try to alleviate some of that stigma Mm -hmm. and we're going to try to educate you on what Mm -hmm. are opioids Mm -hmm. because I think that's confusing Mm -hmm. to a lot of people and the severity that the numbers the statistics around it is pretty alarming Um, but Jennifer before we get into that let's clarify what is NCADD sure the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence is is a program of DePaul so uh, we're the only program of DePaul however that works with substance use disorders and we're everything education so prevention education, we don't uh, work with treatment directly, but we refer people to treatment. Instead, okay. we work with kids and families who are impacted by the addiction of their loved ones. But we also provide a wide variety of education as requested, community groups, school groups, parent groups, um, anyone really calling and asking for more information on any number of issues around substance use disorders you to include the, what we're talking about yeah, today. Yeah, you're the go-to. Yeah. The go-to. Yeah. Um, give me, give us some of these statistics because it isn't what we once thought drug abuse was. It's it's not. And, and first, before I give you some of the statistics, I know when I go out in the community, I still hear confusion about what are opioids. And opioids is the large family group that includes both prescription pain meds and heroin. And that maybe helps people get the connection. Like, why is there such an increase of heroin? Well, there's actually a larger increase in terms of overdose of prescription pain meds. And because they're part of the same family, what's happened in so many cases, people get addicted to prescription pain meds, and then they can't get more prescription pain meds because there's a cap now. Um, They move on to heroin, and those are often folks who never imagined that they would be in that scenario. It doesn't sound like it should be in the same family. Yeah. Prescription drugs, you get it from the dentist after a surgery or the doctor. Exactly. And then when you think heroin. Yeah. That's what happens. Anybody, any age, any, anybody. Yeah. And to give you some of those comparative statistics in the 60s, when we were talking about people seeking treatment for their heroin addiction, about 80% of those folks had first started with heroin, and they were being treated for heroin. Compare that to now in the 2010, 17, almost 18, 75% of those seeking treatment for their heroin started instead with prescription pain meds. 75%. Yeah, it's a total reversal in terms of first drug of choice. They end up with the same end using heroin, but they start from a very different place. And, and the level of trust, you know, my, my doc prescribed it or my dentist prescribed it, the physician or the pharmacy filled it, the insurance paid for it. What's, what's the big deal? And plus, when you think that it is prescribed to really, like we said, any age from any age. a teenager who has a sports injury to a grandparent. Exactly. So this one in particular has crossed all demographic boundaries. Yeah. You know, in terms of numbers are as high in the city, urban, suburban across all ethnicities, men, women, age groups, although there's more, we're seeing more overdose deaths in the 25 to 45 uh, age group. But people are using and abusing even before that and even after that. 
So there we have made strides, though, because I remember the we very have. first time when you came in, and this was years ago now, mm-hmm. it was still a struggle to get doctors to prescribe less. Yes. We've moved forward, I think, baby steps. But okay. in Monroe County and New York State, in fact, if you look at a state map or a United States map, New York is actually in the place of having decreased prescriptions. Monroe County out of New York State is actually also in the decreasing number of prescriptions. So we're going in the right direction, uh, just not maybe quick enough. I think we still have some work to do, but at least we're going in the right direction. And when I talk about that, to give you another stat that sort of puts it in perspective, when you think of the United States having 5% of the world population, yet we consume 80% of the world's supply of OxyContin. And again, that sort of boggles your mind, 5% of the population, but... 80% 80% of the world's supply of OxyContin. Oh, That's, wow. so, okay. so that gives you a sense of how, how the numbers, the sheer numbers of prescription pain meds that are out there. And this isn't about um, eliminating prescription pain meds. You know, when you have a surgery, you want to have yeah. access to pain medication. The issue is, um, the, is, is, a more, is a movement toward a more conservative prescribing. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting what we used to see, the 80, 90 OxyContin after a minor surgery to take home with you, how about three or seven days? And seven days is actually the law now in terms of prescribing. There are extenuating circumstances, but the movement is to get prescribing less, prescribing uh, the least, the most conservative amount you can possibly can to get someone their primary care doc for follow-up, and then looking at non-opioid follow-up or alternative therapy follow-up. You know, for chronic pain, that actually might be more helpful. Oh, that's true. Don't have medicine be the go-to. And doctors are rethinking the way they prescribe, too. They are. Okay. They are. They really are. And again, I think we've got a great, well, we've got a wonderful group of docs. I don't think, I never thought that this was a situation you always have bad apples, mm-hmm. but I think all in all, this was a huge, um, I don't want to say plot, but it was a planned attack by big pharmaceutical companies to provide this huge misinformation campaigns to the medical community and kind of move that whole way we look for pain. Hence the thing when you go into your doc's office or in the hospital, they say rate your pain from one to 10. Yeah. Pain is really subjective. How do you assign a number? It's a really a f- artificial number. They actually, the Pain Society in the United States created an artificial uh, vital sign. It's a fifth vital sign. So the American Academy of Medicine are trying to now pull that back because it never should have been part of a vital sign. Instead, a physician should have uh, the conversation with their patient or patient have that conversation with your physician. Mm-hmm. You know, is there another non-addictive, less risky way I can respond to my pain? Or how do you, you know, physician asking patient, how do you respond to pain? It might be very different if you ask a room of 10. Uh, some have low yeah, pain threshold, high true. pain threshold. You could ask, is it interfering with your work? Is it interfering with what you like to do? Is it interfering? You know, have a conversation and find out people's tolerance towards pain. You know, I think the pumping in of the advertising from the pharmaceutical companies makes us believe we should be a 100% pain-free society. It's it's just, you know, it's sort of warped our way of thinking that we respond so differently than we would have 20 years ago. Do you think that they'll ever be held accountable for 
this kind of like big tobacco companies. It took forever, but yet. Yeah, there's movement. There's several states' attorney generals that are filing suit against big pharmaceutical companies. And then two, was it two? No, mid-October, 60 Minutes did a huge expose Mm. on the big pharmaceutical distributors. So this was even beyond uh, the pharmaceutical separate companies. And they were showing numbers like the, the example they used this little town in West Virginia, 500, uh, was having something like 10, 15,000 um, opioid, prescription opioid pain meds shipped into that county for pickup. I mean, that's obvious abuse. So the expose was around the uh, DA, Drug Enforcement Administration, having essentially lost their teeth and ability to respond to that by passage of what we call the Merino legislation. Yeah. So I know Senator Shuck, Chuck Schumer and others are looking to pull that back and and give the DA permission to seek now those pharmaceutical distributors that are shipping these massive amounts of opioids across the country. Well, at least we're pointing in that direction. We are. It probably will be a long time before. It will be. It won't be. It's not a quick solution with this one Mm -hmm. at all. Now let's look into... um, the resources, because yes. there's a lot of resources, especially local resources. Yes, yes. So the good news to all this, I think we're, we're paving the way in Monroe County. We've got a Monroe County Opioid Task Force that we started at the council early 2016. So we're already into our second, going into our third year of that. And what we're trying to do is spread the word about the resources. So one of them, and this is... Um, there's a standing order to get Narcan, and Narcan is the drug, the safe drug that can safely reverse an opioid overdose. So if an individual has someone in their family group or peer circle um, or anyone in the community, I'd encourage them to check out uh, several of the pro- providers of the Narcan training. There's, there's, there's multiple, and they can call us for more information or they can go to their pharmacy because there's a standing order by our uh, public health commissioner to have Narcan available at the pharmacy with only your copay. And there's, oh, okay. Uh, I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, monetary. yeah. Okay. So if you go to one of the training providers, you get a kit free. But anyone can walk into the major pharmacies and say, I'd like an, uh, a Narcan kit. And then you pay according to your copay with your insurance. But there's a state NCAP. And that pays $40 toward your copay. So if your copay is $40, you may still end up getting it for nothing. So that's important. Get that out as broadly as we can to save a life. Because you have a window of time. If you come across someone who's overdosed, you call 911 first. But then if you've got that kit, you can administer. And when when EMS comes, they'll have another dose. They'll transport to the hospital. They'll have another, another dose. And with the potency of heroin that's out in the street, mm-hmm. you may need dose one, two, three, four to be able to reverse. So point is to respond as quickly as possible. And so, that's a side note, too. The heroin isn't what it once was when you no. cited those statistics from the 70s. Right. This is more potent. Much, much more okay. potent. So it's cheapest, it's cheaper, it's more available, and it's much more potent. Okay. So now, is there any holdup? With that, every EMS personnel, every ambulance, mm-hmm. every firefighter, they have, they're equipped with that, right? Or yes, there... yes, most. Um, RPD, I believe, uh, is relying on 
uh, ambulances just responded. They'll have it on on board. Monroe County Sheriff's Department, all of their officers okay. have been trained. Towns, many of the towns have gotten trained. Okay. But private individuals, the, the point is anyone can okay. get a hold of this now, which is awesome. We really need to increase the availability of that out in the street. Um, I want to point, too, to our website at www.ncadd-ra.org. There's an area on the resource page that's specific to heroin and opioids, and it gives you direct links to local, state, and federal sites, all specific to this issue. And we don't have time to go to each one of them, but one of, one of them is uh, the Monroe County Opioid Task Force's brochure which gives you a list of those Narcan providers locally. It gives you um, information about opioid uh, educational training. It gives you the recommended conversation that we talked about before, having a conversation with your doc. And it talks about the 911, importance of calling in 911 and the Good Samaritan Law. But it has on the cover an important um, service that's first of its kind in New York State, and that's called Open Access and that's a place that's on 350 University Avenue. It's staffed by multiple treatment providers, mm-hmm. and its goal is to get to a 24-7 truly open access. Uh, what it is now is Monday through Friday, 4 to 10 p.m. You can walk in. Uh, a police officer, if they come across an individual who said, please help me, you know, mm-hmm. I want to get treatment. Now they have a place to bring someone. On Saturday to Sunday, it's actually open from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. And again, goal is to get 24-7. So open access is not a standalone or a separate treatment agency. It's staffed by treatment staff, multiple agencies. The intention is to get an immediate evaluation, find out what's the appropriate level of care for that individual, and then help identify the first available bed or treatment slot for that individual negotiate any insurance barriers, uh, negotiate any transportation issues. Again, getting them uh, treatment as soon as you possibly can because no longer are we wanting to accept um, the response when someone calls and says, I need, I need treatment, uh, you'll have to wait for three weeks. Yeah. That's not good enough. Right, we, we, right. So when this, you get to the point of saying, I need treatment. You need it now. You yeah. wouldn't do that with a cardiac patient. You wouldn't do that with the diabetes or any other disease. And we've got to stop doing that with addiction. We need immediate access. So open access is one attempt to do that. The other attempt is the increasing treatment providers who additionally have walk-in evaluation times. So that would accomplish the same thing. It would be housed within a treatment site. And they are Catholic Family Center at their new North Clinton location. Uther Doyle and Villa of Hope. And I expect by January when we redo our Monroe County treatment provider listing that we'll have even more that have stepped up to offer uh, hours and specific days of the week where you can walk in and get an evaluation. Again, same objective, get somebody identified and get them into treatment as soon as possible. Do you think that some people don't actually reach out for help in fear of what what's going to happen? How am I going to be in, get in trouble for this or what legal ramifications? So this open access makes it comfortable for people to it, walk it in? It makes it comfortable. I think at that point, it's not so much they would be worried about legal implications. Um, the, the pull of the drug is very strong. Okay. So they have to get to that point where they say enough already. I, okay. I can't do this anymore. Okay. 
and you know the and, and you've got that short window of time yeah. before the pull of the drug because you figure by the time they're addicted there's actually been kind of a flip switch in the brain that it's superseding all rational or logical uh, thought and the drive to get more of that drug is so strong that you've got that really brief window of time and lucidity to get someone to treatment. Okay. And treatment is possible. Recovery absolutely, is possible. Absolutely. And we've got an also in our community, we're lucky to have some wonderful grassroots recovery organizations. So the other message out there is know that there's recovery resources. So this is beyond the standard um, 12-step groups, which are great, Alcohol Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. There's a growing number of specific heroin anonymous groups. Mm-hmm. We've also got a link to that listing on our website. There's four now in Rochester. That's from zero a year ago. Wow. So that's wow. like amazing. And um, the other thing is Rock Recovery Fitness over at 1035 Dewey. Mm-hmm. It's a program that believes... Um, to kind of work with people in recovery on a variety of activities, um, whether strenuous, non-strenuous, everything in between, support groups. There's a mom's grief group there, meditation, yeah, yoga. They're great. They've they're, been they're, on the show and they've talked yeah. about you because you're on the board, right? Yeah, I am. Yes. I am. Yeah, I we am. talked about you last time they they're, were in. They're, they're wonderful people. I, I love that group. Yeah. Also, Recovery uh, Now is another organization. They've started a program, a peer engagement program, in the Gates Town Hall. Uh, it's called Gates to Recovery on Thursday evening. Okay. One can go in and if just to talk to someone else who's been through it. So they're yeah. in recovery themselves. You talk one-on-one. You know, I've, I've been there. And again, the objective would be the same to try to get that folk, that person over to open access or into treatment. Yeah. And Recovery Fitness does something similar on Tuesday on North Clinton right in the heart of where all the needles disposal dispose okay. are, are happening the yeah. North Clinton. It's called Find Your Path and they do that Tuesday afternoon. So all these brand new kinds of things yeah. are happening in our community in terms of, you know, getting the word out yep. and getting people help and And that's what we have to do. Keep getting the word out. Um, Jennifer Farringer Number one place to start if you have any questions is the NCADD website, which is ncadd-ra.org. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure as always. Thanks, Sandy.